Welcome to Women Rise. What makes me qualified to talk about how women rise? I'm a woman, living, breathing, experiencing. And the mission of this podcast is to empower businesswomen to take inspired action to elevate their lives. I'm your host, Melissa, and today we're going to talk all about converting prospects into sales, which as we all know, is possibly the most important part of doing business. If you're not having a high conversion rate, it means there's something wrong. So today's podcast episode is going to start with the top 10 reasons that most people don't convert. And then I'm going to dig into eight best practices for converting prospects into sales. So for those of you who are new, welcome. My name is Melissa Barker and I am a business coach who specializes in helping women entrepreneurs really master marketing sales and scale with total confidence. So today's topic is one of my favorites. And if you don't know my background, I actually used to do a lot of sales training when I used to work for tech companies. So I've done sales trainings for probably around 2000 salespeople. So this is not only from my experience as a small business owner and as a business coach, but from what I've really seen work in the industry at large. So before we dig in, I wanna start by getting us all on the same page about what is a prospect right? A prospect is someone that has expressed some level of interest, right? You have their contact information in some way. You probably had at least one conversation with them and they're in the consideration phase really. So it's how do you move them from consideration and really nurture them to get them to a point of purchase. So this is going to vary a lot depending on what you're selling, right? So if you are selling a high ticket item or service, it's going to be different versus something that's maybe more inexpensive. Your sales cycle isn't going to be as long and that conversion process will be a little less complex. So what I'm really talking about today are for those of you who are primarily service providers or selling a very expensive product of some sort, right? And that's really what this is designed to be speaking to. So take what you will from it and leave the rest. All right, so let's start with the top 10 reasons I see that service providers specifically really struggle to convert. Number one is that your offerings are unclear. This is big. (laughs) When, where we are in our own world and the jargon that we tend to use, you know, this can really muddle the process, right? So if your offerings are not clear, if you don't have clear naming conventions, if you're trying to get too fancy, if the descriptions don't really tell people what they're getting, that's going to keep you from converting. Number two, you're not following up, right? And you're just waiting for prospects to follow up with you. And this is very, very key is that you're not afraid to follow up and really continue following up until they say that they're not interested. And there's an art and a science behind this that we'll get into a little later in this episode. Number three is that you provide too many options, too many services to choose from. This is another really common mistake. And this belief that more options is better is actually really harmful. On average, you really never want someone to have more than three options to choose from if you're a service provider or have more than three per category of service. Number four, your website is hard to navigate. I always recommend at a minimum asking a friend to navigate through your website and see if it's really clear how to purchase your services or products. Number five, how to purchase online is unclear or you require a prospect to 
maybe send an additional message or get in contact with you in some other way that doesn't allow them to just make that purchase after they've had an initial conversation. Number six, there are too many steps to buy from you. If they have to navigate through multiple pages and windows in order to make the purchase, you're going to see a much higher drop-off rate. Number seven, your prices are too low or too high. Essentially, it's that the price point isn't aligned with the value that they perceive that they are going to get from it. And again, I'll repeat, perceive, right? It's all about perception and how you've communicated, how clearly you've communicated the benefits of what you are selling. Number eight, you're not giving away enough information for free. So what I mean by this specifically is that you're not showcasing your thought leadership in some way. You're not positioning yourself or your business as the expert provider of whatever the service or product is because people will only buy equal to the value that they have already received or perceive that they will receive from you later, right? And so that really means that we have to be educating our audience constantly through our marketing efforts, in our sales conversations, if we want them to convert. And number 10 is that you don't seem confident in what you offer. Prospects are smart. They can tell when you don't believe in what you are selling. So you have to believe in what you are selling first, as well as the price point that you're offering it at before you can really convince someone to buy it. So now that we've gone through the top 10 reasons that most people don't convert to sales, let's dig into some best practices, right? And the best practices I'm going to share with you today are not software-based or necessarily going to add to your overhead, but it's all about how you communicate, right? And this is especially important if you are a service provider, if you are some kind of coach, something that requires a high degree of trust to build and instill in your prospect, these are the things that you can do. So number one is know common objections and preempt them. So yes, this first means that you have to start keeping track of objections that you hear. And remember that objections are just opportunities to improve the next time around, right? And so when you start developing this list of the most common objections you hear, you can preemptively write out your answers and know them by heart so that when you hear them, you can respond to them or you can make an effort to address them before you ever get on the phone with anyone. Right? And you can do this through your emails, through your social media, through your marketing, and really discuss some of the most common objections you get and provide your response to them. Number two, invite prospects into some sort of container to stay engaged with you. And when I say container, I mean virtual container, not literal, of course. So you really wanna figure out what is going to be the best way that you can stay engaged with someone after you've had a conversation or after they've filled out a form on your website. So it could be something as simple as your email list, right? You can add them to your database. Or if you're like me, you may choose to create a Facebook group or a LinkedIn group. So my Facebook group, which has been renamed to Empowered Women Entrepreneurs by Melissa Barker, is all about, for me, lead generation, right? And giving back. So I'm constantly giving free 
Facebook Lives there, information and answering questions as a way to continue nurturing leads or prospects rather after they've been in contact with me. So even if someone doesn't convert, I invite them into this container to continue engaging with me. And so you really wanna think about what medium best suits your audience and the level of time that you are personally willing to commit. Because having a Facebook group like I do or any kind of group that you are the founder of takes a whole lot more time and effort to do it right. Recommendation number three is that you understand your prospect's goals not just their you know, KPIs or key performance indicators, but really dig into their own professional and personal goals. Why do they want what you are selling? And then once you understand their motives and their motivation, that's when you can really speak to the benefits that are related to their specific motivations. Number four is create urgency. And you can do this through scarcity, right? Limiting the quantity or the length of time something is available or adding bonuses, right? Both of those can potentially create urgency. But at the end of the day, people are being bombarded with opportunities and offers. So it's all about creating open and closed windows for when people can buy things from you. And this is a very, very important part of selling, right? Because someone isn't motivated unless they know they have to act now. Right, And so this can be a very powerful way of closing more prospects and turning them into sales faster. Number five is always establish the next step when you make contact. The idea is that you want your prospect to commit to some sort of action, regardless of how small it is, right? As you're following up in a conversation or via email, whatever it is, but establish what the next step is to move the relationship forward And once you do that, you can keep them moving down the funnel. There's a lower likelihood that you're going to get stuck. Number six, master the art and timing for follow-up. So if you're on a call, for example, and they are not ready to buy then and there, offer to follow up via email or phone and specify a time. This last piece is critical. So for example, I do free 20 minute discovery calls. And at the end, if you know someone says, I'll get back to you, I always ask when I should follow up if I haven't heard from them by, right? So even if they say they're going to follow up with you, someone says end of September, I say, great, would you like me to follow up with you the first week of October if I don't hear anything? That is key and get them to agree to that piece because that then you can really establish, are they actually inter- interested or are they just trying to get off the phone? And if they're just trying to get off the phone, it's better you know that rather than waiting or thinking that they are going to convert later. Number seven, write your follow-up script when you hang up the phone. I always write my follow-up email or verbiage for the person as soon as we hang up. Right, Something like when we spoke on Thursday, September 17th about business coaching, you mentioned that you'd like to do three sessions in the fall. And I write that and then I put it in my follow-up email draft that I can send at that later date. But that's really key because you're going to forget the conversations that you have. If you're having a lot of conversations, which I hope you are, then it's likely you're not going to remember the details. But having those notes will not only help you remember what you were selling them, but will help them remember what they were interested in buying from you. And number eight, always follow up. Mark it on your calendar. 
So for myself, I use Google Calendar and I will put a calendar reminder on the exact date as soon as we're done with the conversation, as soon as I write my follow-up script with the follow-up script in this calendar reminder on the date that I plan to follow up with them. And this process has helped me maintain an 80% close rate for people I get on the phone, which if those of you have not started tracking that, this is a metric I encourage you to track is what is your close rate after you actually speak to someone? Because having that information is extremely helpful to know what's working and what's not. You know, there are things I've tried that didn't work, and so I stopped doing them. But the thing that does work over and over again for me is marking on the calendar when they would like me to follow up and actually following through. Because those people often convert and they just need that reminder. So it's important that you don't just drop the ball when it's in your court. So with that all said, it all begins with your offerings, right? And if you are a service-based provider like myself, so you do some sort of consulting or provide some other service other than physical products, I want to let you know that I actually offer a services audit, which is a standalone service that I do for folks that includes recommendations for what to keep, remove, combine, or refine. I also do copy edits for the names of your services, the descriptions, as well as giving feedback on what should be your best upsell and downsell. So I'll share the link to the services audit that I offer in the show notes. And if you are listening when this episode has been released, I'm actually offering 50% off this services audit, making it only $250 if you buy it by October 2nd. So with that in mind, start thinking about the services and products that you offer. Really look and evaluate, does it make sense? And get feedback, right? The best thing you can do is ask for feedback from your target audience. And if you can't do that, at a minimum, get it from a friend, right? And getting that feedback loop and starting to really understand and get out of our own echo chamber is key because it's likely that if you've been in business for a while, you know your stuff and you have jargon because every industry does. And that may be showing through in the way that you describe what you offer on your website, on your social media, and confusing somebody who doesn't have the same level of knowledge of what you offer. So until next time, you badass ladies, keep moving and shaking and check back on the second and fourth Tuesday at 9am for another episode of Women Rise.